Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. While you're standing, while we were worshiping the Lord, there's a couple of individuals here that are experiencing some leg problems. And if you have a tingling sensation in your right leg, uh, right above the knee, could you just raise your hand? Because God is ministering grace to that right now in Jesus' name. And we just released the power of the Holy Spirit. We just kept saying, we give you all the glory, Lord. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I command that numbness, that tingling sensation to go from your leg now in Jesus' name. I command that the thoughts that are in your head that are saying that something is wrong with circulation to go right now in Jesus' name. And I command full use, flexibility, no stumbling, no falling, no imbalance to go now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is somebody else here who's been going into a room and then you forget what you're going there for. You. Okay, just lift your hands right now. <laughs> All right. All right, that's pretty broad. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for restoration of minds, short-term memory. Father, that we are not getting forgetful, but our minds are sharp. We're remembering what we were sent for and what we went for in Jesus' name. I rebuke the lie of Alzheimer's and dementia and any other brain disease and or malfunction or decline. And I thank you we're going to be like Moses today, Father, that our old age, our eye will be sharp. None of our natural abilities will be diminished in Jesus' name. And we release that for the renewing of the mind, not only spiritually, but also physically in Jesus' name. Now go ahead and touch your head. Say, I have the mind of Christ and my mind is sharp. My thoughts are focused and my head is clear in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now you sit down down. Okay, good. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Well, it's good to be at Faith Christian Center again with you this year. And uh, thank the Lord for the worship that we experienced this morning and for everything that the Lord is doing. You know, we're living in perilous times during this season. And uh, in perilous times... It's easy to get overwhelmed, overwhelmed by all that's going on Uh, with 24 hour news cycles and with information just kind of hitting us moment by moment and time after time. It seems like we can sometimes just get overwhelmed by all that's going on. But I want you to know that these days have not caught our God by surprise. God has not withdrawn his Holy Spirit that keeps us even during this season. And Father, I pray that you'll let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight because we need to stay on our assignment even when times get difficult. And Father, for those that are either spiritually, emotionally, or physically exhausted, 
I pray that by the end of this service and by the end of this day, they will be renewed. Father, that they can complete the assignment and fight a good fight, finish the course, and keep the faith. In Jesus' name, amen. It's kind of interesting today that I'm coming with a series of questions for this morning and this evening. And the first question is, have you ever been so exhausted that you've reached your limits? When I was a kid, I used to watch a movie called Popeye. Now that's old school and some of the younger men and women in here miss this. But there was always a time in a Popeye cartoon where he said, I stands enough and I can't stands no more. And uh, Popeye's solution was to eat some spinach out of a can. That's terrible stuff. Fresh spinach has its merits. And he would get strength. Our strength doesn't come from a can of spinach. But it comes from a savior that loves us. But we have this treasure in earth and vessels and it's times we can be exhausted. Have you ever been so exhausted that you felt like you could not go on? Have you ever been so exhausted that you couldn't take one more thing? Have you ever been so exhausted that you said enough is enough? Have you ever been so exhausted because you had enough and you couldn't take it anymore? Exhaustion by way of definition by Merriam-Webster means to be completely, almost completely depleted of resources and contents. Exhausted means to be depleted or of energy or extremely tired. And there was a day in the life of one of the prophets where he just had enough. He just couldn't stand anymore. He was completely exhausted. He got worn out in his spirit. He was worn out in his emotions. And he was worn out physically. And when you and I are in the kingdom of God, and we have had and been engaged in prolonged warfare spiritually for our families and for our communities, we've been worn out regularly for warfare for our nation and a warfare for the nations, it can get tiring. It seems like the time that we fix something up over here, something over there breaks. And anybody who's been in a house for a long time knows that there's that season where warranties wear out. And even when I bless and dedicate houses, I pray that the warranty will, that the appliance will far outlast the warranty. And God has blessed us in that. But there's some time when something gets broken over here and the hot water tank goes out and you get that fixed and then the air conditioner goes out and you get that fixed and the furnace goes out. You get that fixed and then you think you can breathe and the water uh, starts leaking from under the washing machine and you get that fixed and then 
the tires need to be replaced on the car. And then the car starts leaking red stuff and you find out the transmission fluid needs to be changed. And then you find out it's not the transmission fluid, it's the transmission. You get that fixed. And then oil's leaking out the back. Your car has tuberculosis, cancer. It has, uh, it's HIV positive. You know, it's just dying. And, and sometimes you're just fixing so many things that so many times you can just get wore out. When we get exhausted, it packs our emotions. And God puts us treasures inside these earthen vessels. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, there's a little prophet named Elisha. I like Elisha because he's mentioned not only in Kings and in Chronicles, but then he's mentioned in the, the book of Malachi. In fact, the last verse in the Hebrew scriptures mentioned that I will send uh, the, uh, Elisha the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children hearts of the children to the fathers Elisha is mentioned from the time of the divided kingdom all the way to the time of the restored kingdom when John the Baptist is mentioned Jesus likens him unto Elisha that was prophesied that he would sin and when they get on the Mount of Transfiguration isn't it interesting when the, the three are there Jesus is inner circle Peter, James and John that they see a vision and they see Jesus and they see Moses and Elisha. Elisha impacts a lot of our both Hebrew and our Christian scriptures. But in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number one, it says here, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elisha had done. What had he done? Well, he had slain the priest of Baal, turned down their temples on a place called Mount Carmel. And with, and, and with all that he had slain the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elisha. So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and he went for his life and came to Beersheba. He said, which belonged to Judah. And he left his servant there because he was running too slow. And he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree. And listen, he requested for himself that he might die. Aren't you glad God doesn't answer every prayer? And he said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he laid and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water by his head. And he did eat and drink and laid down again. The word of the Lord. Now listen, there was a day when Elisha said, Enough. It is enough. He had slain the priest of Baal, my hero. He had prayed fire down out of heaven, my hero. 
The fire lapped up the sacrifice, uh, the wood, burned up the water. My hero. He goes back home and all of a sudden Ahab, a weak back man, tells his wife Jezebel, a controller, what he had done. She then says, well, the same thing will happen to to me if the same thing doesn't happen to him by sundown. Must have been a bad sister. Because he runs out in the desert from this woman. Whoever is with him isn't running fast enough. So he said, you just wait here. If anybody ever left somebody because they're moving too slow. Okay, we got all saints in here. Okay, praise <laughs> the Lord. I have. And he goes further and then he just falls asleep. And he starts pleading to God, just take me. You kill me. Don't let her kill me. You kill me. You let me die. It's enough. Now, what was Elisha's problem? Well, Elisha was tired and he got exhausted, not doing something wrong, but in his assignment. He was, he was exhausted spiritually and emotionally and physically. And friends, he had forgot how to balance out his life. Communication is the basis of life. Exchange is the process of life. Agreement is the power of life. But listen to me, balance is the key to life. And sometimes, friends, we just get out of balance. Some of you go to chiropractors and you get put back in alignment. And sometimes we get out of balance, out of alignment. And balance is the key to life. And listen, prolonged times of spiritual warfare, fasting, praying, and listen, decrees and intercession and just unlimited and nonstop spiritual warfare can be exhausting. Even natural soldiers get furloughs every now and then. Even when they're preparing for war, not in battle, there are periods of times when soldiers are allowed to leave the place and where they are or where she is stationed right there. Furlough is a time where you can leave, uh, 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 take a leave of absence from the duties that have been granted unto you, especially to a soldier. He had had no furloughs. He had had no Sabbaths. It was prolonged war. Now, what was his problem? He was warring. Not with so much devils from outside the kingdom, but with devils from within. Ahab and Jezebel had brought in the priest of Baal. And Baal is not just one little god. It means Balaam, multiple gods. They had a god Baals for everything. And he had been there. And I want you to understand that this is part of Israel's history. Because at this time, it's during the divided kingdom about the ninth century in uh, Gregorian time. And when we're there in about that ninth century, it's during the time of the divided kingdom. Many of you know the history of Israel that about 2000 BC in a solar time, God calls a man by the name of Abraham and he calls him and he says, I want you to follow me. He places a sevenfold blessing on him. He said, I'll make you a great nation. I'll make your name great. 
I will bless you and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He says that to Abraham and Abraham sojourns from Ur the Chaldeans and he moves. He gives birth to Isaac. Isaac then takes the mantle and he continues on with the promise of God, looking for a city whose founder and builder is God and looking for a land. And a land. Then all of a sudden goes to Jacob. Jacob gives birth to 12 sons and later on become 12 tribes. And then Joseph becomes a key character. Joseph then is carried down into Egypt because of his brother's jealousy over him. In Egypt, he has Ephraim and Manasseh. Then uh, He then dies. And then a Pharaoh comes up in Egypt that doesn't know Joseph. All of a sudden, these Hebrew people begin to grow into a great, great people. They go in as a family, but they grow into a great people. They become a threat to Egypt. And the Egyptians begin to oppress them. Pharaoh's narrative was scarcity and lack and a fear and struggle. And they are enslaved. They cry unto the Lord, Exodus chapter 1. And about 1400 B.C., all of a sudden, a man named Moses rises up. Moses is born as a slave, but he's destined to be a servant. And then after a while, a spokesman for God. And Moses rises up and he brings the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses brings them out, but God doesn't let him bring them in. He views the land and then he dies up on the mountain. And in 1280 BC, all of a sudden now Joshua takes them in. Joshua takes them in and God keeps on reminding them all along the way. What he told Abraham, if you obey me, if you obey me, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Joshua takes them into the land. They have to do warfare against seven different nations. They secure the land and there's warfare. If you ever read the Hebrew scriptures, there's warfare all the way through these scriptures. And the old people obey God for a while. But after they get into the land, they start noticing everybody else has a king. God has already said in Deuteronomy, I will give you a king, but but put a king in that is after my heart. They want a king. They select Saul. But, and Saul becomes a miserable failure. All of a sudden, about 1000 BC, David arrives to the throne. When David arrives to the throne, when Joshua brings him into the land, David drives the enemy out of the land. David is a man of blood. His hands are bloody. He's a warrior. He's killed Goliath. He's killed the lion. He killed the bear. Even when he's dying, he's killing people. Read David's last words. He's like the Godfather saying, kill that one over there when I die. Said I wasn't going to bother that one, kill that one. He's a killer. He's a bloody man. Blood is on his hands. He doesn't build a temple. His son Solomon does. Temple is now built. Solomon dies. Uh, his son, uh, his son Rehoboam takes over. Rehoboam is a young leader, listens to his young friends. And all of a sudden, the kingdom splits. Ten tribes go north form Israel, two tribes stay south where the capital is and they form Judah. And now you're into Elisha's time, the time of the divided kingdom. It's around a little bit after 1000 BC with David and all of a sudden, both tribes, Israel in the north, Judah in the south are doing sin in the sight of God. They wear out the prophets. The prophets are sent to both because God never leaves his people without a messenger. And I want you to hear this today. God has not left us without a messenger. There is a speaker in the house. Now, there's a lot of folks who don't believe that there's a speaker in the house. But there is a speaker in the house. 
Now some churches have eliminated the speaker of the house. But with us, we believe that the Holy Ghost is here. Okay, thank you for some amens. And we believe that the Holy Ghost is still speaking. And so there's a speaker in the house. And all of a sudden, they stop listening to the voice of God coming through the prophets. All of a sudden, God begins to prophesy a little bit more dramatically. If you don't obey me, Israel, the Assyrians is going to come and they're going to take you captive. Uh, He says, uh, listen, if you don't obey me, Judah, the Babylonians are going to come in and they're going to take you captives. And they neither one obeys. And in 722 B.C., all of a sudden, Assyria comes in from the north, takes 10 tribes captive. They call it the diaspora, the spreading forth of Jewish people. They spread out. And he tells Israel in the north, if you go into captivity, you're never coming back. We call them the 10 tribes, the lost tribes of Israel. The tribes in the south last a little bit longer, 586 B.C. now. And all of a sudden, Babylon comes in and takes them captive. God tells them, if you go into captivity, you will go in uh, to captivity. However, only a remnant will come out. He said, if you go into captivity, you'll be there 70 years. Why 70 years? Because God has said in Deuteronomy, when you go into the land, you shouldn't enslave your brothers. And if your brothers have to give themselves to you because of debt, he says, you can only keep them for seven years. And every seven years, there needs to be a year of release, year of release. Israel did that twice. And then all of a sudden, they went to a 50-year celebration so they could keep people enslaved. They did that 490 years, 70 times. And my rabbi friends in the city said, the reason we did 70 years in captivity was that we ignored God's commandments 70 times. And God said, for every time you ignore my commandment, you're going to do a year in captivity. Because you went to a 50-year jubilee and didn't release people every seven years from their debt. They're now in Babylonian captivity. All of a sudden, God says, it's time to bring my people back to the land. First group is released after Babylon is overrun by Persia. And Persian says, let's get these folk out of here. And so they start releasing. Zerubbabel, Zechariah, and Haggai, they go back, they rebuild the temple. Temple's now rebuilt. Next release happens. Ezra goes back and restores the law because you can't because in our kingdom, we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Ezra reads the law and for the first time in 70 plus years, the law is read in the house of God. Oh, that God's church in America can get back to reading God's word. 444 BC, all of a sudden, Nehemiah returns and his task comes out of an inquiry. Some people who have gone back to Jerusalem, rebuild the temple, restore the uh, law, they come back and he says, how's it going in Jerusalem? And they said, the city is in great distress. And friends, even in America, there are lots of cities that are in distress. You can hear what happened in Maine this past week. And when event after event keeps happening in a nation, you and I can get exhausted. Nehemiah sits down and he weeps. He's in control, but he's also in touch with his emotions. He not only weeps in Nehemiah chapter one, but he prays. Oh God, the city is in ruin. The walls are down, the gates are burned, and the city is full of rubble. That's trash. He said, Lord, give me favor in the sight of this man. 
that we might go back and restore the city. And one day the king notices him and gives him favor and resource and guards. And he goes back to the city to restore his city. They're now back inside the city. The nation is restored. They rebuild the second temple is now being rebuilt. And it's not too long before they get back to their old habits of breaking God's laws again. Read the book of Malachi. They're not obeying God's laws. They're divorcing their wives. They're devastating their families. They're not bringing in tithes and offerings. And when they bring in an offering, they're bringing in things that are broken and lame and blind and bruised. And God says, this is not what I require of you. The prophets got worn out because of the people's disobedience. And Elisha is among that. And now the prophet, the voice of God is worn out. Listen, when you don't have any seasons of rest between your assignment, it could cause you to be exhausted. Because in America and in the Western world, we talk about 24-7. You see, people's needs go on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And leaders, when they're not available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 24-7, people just move on. And we're out the next leader. That's what they have a tendency to do. God's plan is not 24-7, it's 24-6. Look at your neighbor and say, you deserve a break today. <laughs> Go ahead and tell them. Okay, I, I'm from Raymond Christian Center in Columbus, Ohio. We talk to each other in church. Okay, I said, look at your neighbor and say, you deserve a break today. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, yeah. And, and God's rule is 24-6, not 24-7. I told the men yesterday, somebody ought to print the T-shirt and sell it and just put on it God's way 24-6. You'll get some inquiries about that. And they begin to violate the Sabbath, Exodus 20, verse number 9, and all of a sudden, they wore out. Why Sabbath? The word Sabbath is a commandment to stop. When you and I have a Sabbath and honor the Sabbath principle, The Sabbath principle means that I stop, I unplug, I disconnect, and I rest. Stop. Unplug. Disconnect. And rest. Now, I didn't feel much resistance on stopping and resting, but unplugging and disconnecting, I felt a little resistance there. Because if some of you, if somebody told you to turn your cell phone off and took it, you would have withdrawal. And friends, at some point in time, we have to shut down the noise so that we can hear from God. So in 1 Kings 19, we see a prophet that has been worn out. Now, there's a difference between giving up and saying, I've had enough. I've had enough can cause you to draw a line. Now, listen, we all have margins And we all have limits and capacities. And at some point in time, you and I have to do a sweeping capacity assessment. What can you do? Lots of assignments will come your way, but everything that comes your way is not an assignment. Some things are opportunities, and there's difference between opportunities and assignments. And you and I, in today's world, need to discern the difference between opportunities and assignments. 
I remember one time so many things were coming my way and I was saying yes to so many things. And I was saying, when one assignment came, I said, but God, I don't have time to do that. And the Lord came back and said, you have time to do everything I told you to do. Listen, if you don't have time to do what God has told you to do, you and I need to do a sweeping assignment this weekend to say, what did I pick up that God did not assign for me to do? And it may be important to make that phone call this afternoon and say, I said I was going to serve here for this long. And when your tenure is up, then you withdraw. If it's more urgent than that, then it may be one of those deals where you have to say, I can't do this anymore. And then you withdraw, do a sweeping assessment of your assignment because you and I, we need to remain emotionally healthy and master our emotions even while being on our assignments. Now listen, coaches sometimes will press you to your maximum capacity and sometimes coaches see capacity inside of you. You don't see yourself and that's why it's good to have coaches and mentors. But life will try to force you beyond your margins and beyond your limits and friends, Life schedules and pressures and stresses can cause you to be exhausted. You and I are in the kingdom of God, but we are not exempt from the stress and from the pressures of this world. One of my heroes is Gideon. There's a time when Gideon was exhausted. When Gideon came to Jordan, he and his 300 were uh, were with uh, about ready to cross over And he said, exhausted, but still in pursuit. I believe that you can be an exhausted, but still be pursuing what God has called you to be. Because sometimes God is letting you get into what I call overtime. If you ever watch sports, every now and then when the final whistle blows, it's a tie. And though the athletes are exhausted, they have to find something inside of themselves to push through and to win the game. And then even though they're exhausted, they still have to be in pursuit. Friends, some of us are in an overtime position right now and you can be exhausted and still pursue and you can stay in the game and you can cross the finish line. But there are some times when exhaustion can hit your life and you just want to say it's enough. I want you to know God doesn't want your resignation. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't resign right now. Tell the one on the other side too because they didn't hear the first one. Tell them you can't resign right now. No, you can't resign. You can't resign because you're not done. And God's not done with you. There's something more. There's something more. There's something more. There's something more. And that's called reassignment. And there's something more. And Elisha had to stay in the game. And so he had to stay in the And listen, what do you do when you've had enough? When I was immature, when I had enough, man, I used to get angry. Now, I didn't come from a cussing household, so I didn't cuss people out. But I let people know I had an attitude. And sometimes it was so bad that we say, I got a tood right now. And that would mean that I have this mean look on my face. I get short with people. I didn't have much patience or what the Bible calls long suffering. I looked that up in the Greek, Pastor John, and I said, love suffers long. I said, what does that mean? Long suffering means 
but be long in putting up with stuff. But my fuse started getting short. And friends, that's because I was just tired, fatigued, and exhausted. And so I had to withdraw. Now, what I've done is I've kept safekeepers around me, caregivers around me that kind of know my personality. And when they see me get into that mode, even my wife, Teresa, she would say, you need to take a few days off. My doctor, when I go to him, if my eyes are red, he says, you're tired. When's the last time you had a vacation? Because he said, the manifestation in you is not high blood pressure or high blood sugar. He said, when you're tired, your eyes get red. And I'm looking at your eyes. You're tired. You need to take some rest. You know you're exhausted when you wake up in the morning and you don't know what day it is, what city you're in, and what you're supposed to be doing. My day off is usually Monday. I woke up one Monday morning at 7 o'clock. And I looked at the clock. I said, oh, my God, my alarm didn't go off. Jumped out of bed, ran in the bathroom. My wife said, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting my clothes. I'm late for church. She said, it's Monday morning. (laughs) One of the first signs of exhaustion. Okay, somebody said, oh, no. Okay. (laughs) Is when you wake up, you don't know what city you're in. You don't know what day it is. You don't know what you're doing. That means that you're exhausted. Look at your neighbor again and tell him you deserve a break today. God never sleeps and he never slumbers, but you need a day off. And friends, Elisha, he was in this condition and he was in overtime and he said, it's enough. Let me give you some solutions. First of all, you need to rest your body. You know what the angel and Elisha's pattern was? He was so exhausted that he went in and got under a juniper tree. A juniper tree is not really a tree. It's a bush. Now, you are low down when you crawl under a bush to get some rest. He's in a low place. And he sleeps. You know what God's solution is? Get up and eat and drink some water, and then rest. And friends, sometimes you and I need to rest our bodies with some rest and with some water so that we can flush out our system and with some sleep. We need to rest our bodies. I know when I travel, when I go home, my wife used to ask me, What do you need when you come home off of these trips? And I said, I need three things. I need a good meal. I need good sex. And I need good sleep. Every man in here say, I like that trilogy. Tell them, tell them, go ahead and tell them, tell them. I I like that. I like that. Okay. Okay. I said, those are, (laughs) I said, this is not a men's meeting. I should not be doing this on Sunday morning. And for those on the online community for Faith Christian Center, just, just hear me. Hear me well. You need to know what, what it takes to get you refreshed. What does it take to get you refreshed? God says you need some food, you need some water, you need some sleep. And every now and then, for those of you who are married, you just need to go tell your spouse, go take a nap. 
Just look at your spouse right now and just tell them that. Go ahead. You're in the safe place. Just tell them, go take a nap. Oh, none of y'all said anything. Just tell them, go take a nap. You be, you be surprised how your outlook would change with just a little bit of rest. Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole taught us, don't ever make decisions when you're angry and when you're tired because you'll make the wrong decision. There are some things you can lift up to the Lord and say, God, give me some wisdom. And when you wake up, it's interesting how the Holy Spirit has spoke to you when you get still. And the solution for what you need has come. Rest your body, but also rest your mind. And that's why I talk about stop, unplug, disconnect and rest because it gives your chance your mind a chance to rest. Turn off that phone. In fact, if you're addicted to your phone, put it in another room so you won't hear it dinging and buzzing during the course of the night. Hallelujah. Okay, I got two amens in the front. What y'all say in the back? Okay, good, good. Thank you. Now listen, Romans chapter 12 verse 1 puts it like this. Be not conformed to this world. Because the world runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it tries to get you to buy into that rugged individualism, manifest destiny, uh, you know, free enterprise, you know, all of that, man. And listen to me, and freedom of choice, rather. And friends, all of that has its merit, but you and I are not human machines. We are human beings. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, God wants to bring us to a place of shalom, peace, and see what rest does and what proper nourishment does and what water does in fleshing out our systems and renewing us. It gives us a chance to come to a place of shalom, peace, and rehumanize. I asked one of my conservative rabbi friends, Rabbi Chomsky, who's over in Tel Aviv right now. He's moved this. His family, his daughters live there. His grandchildren there. So he moved there. And listen, he said, I said, how do you understand Sabbath? He says, Sabbath is a time where we get a chance to rehumanize. We understand that we are not human doings, but we're human beings. I put it this way. We're not human machines. We're human beings. How do you come to a place of rest? I close with this final psalm that will help us to come to a place of rest. And it will teach us how we can manage our emotions while staying on assignment, even when we get fatigued and tired and exhausted. Psalm 46 says this, God, God is our refuge and our strength. You don't have to operate in your own strength. God is our refuge and our strength. Listen, he's a very present help in trouble. In trouble, you and I don't have to solve every problem. God is our refuge. He is our strength. He is a very present help in trouble. Therefore, my heart will not fear. I'll not be anxious. Though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried off into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, and though the mountains shake with swelling thereof, Selah. That means take a musical pause and think about that. And music is one of the ways you can get refreshed. I'm talking about listening to some good refreshing music. God will give you a song for your season. 
And I'll tell you what, when my wife went to the hospital in December of last year, on December 23rd, she was in a hospital for two weeks. Listen to me. God gave me a, a song for that season. We didn't know what was going on, but her blood sugar shot up to 490. She was lethargic. Her speech was slurred. And I said, okay, we're going to the hospital. We pray. We're going to the hospital. I said, call the ambulance or you can take me. She said, or oh, I can take you. And she said, you take me. I start getting her clothes together, get her shoes, get her slacks, get her top. I'm getting her dressed. And only as a woman can do, she said, that top don't go to these pants. I said, shut up. You're going to the emergency room. Now, one of the women, look, look at somebody and say, I understand her. I understand her. Get her to the hospital. Mercy medical doctors at the desk. They asked us, why did we come? I told her the blood sugar level I checked. And he said, come back here now. Found out she had a small kidney stone sitting on top of her urethra. Uh, some uh, urine had backed up in her kidney. It had gotten infected, affected her whole system. She was in medical intensive care for a week. And then everything started coming back. They left the stone in. They didn't want to move it. Put a coil on her urethra so the urine would flow. Went through some therapy in the hospital so she could begin to walk. Went through a therapeutic center for two weeks after that. Came back and uh, the doctor checked her. He said, the stone is still where it was, but it's small. She's small. We think we can get it. So the tube that they had uh, put in her back to uh, drain the urine had still been in there. And they just went in there with a robotic arm, grabbed the stone, pulled it out. 15 minutes, she was out. She's up walking around. Ray was in our city. When his wife graduated, she's on a walker now with some wheels on it. When she goes out in public at home, she walks around, tells her husband what to do. Praise the Lord. <laughs> she hasn't lost that thing. But it's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting. She walks around. She has a walker now just for balance uh, as she gets her balance back right there. That's why she's not with me. She didn't feel like coming on a plane. So rather than telling this story uh, 500 times, where's your wife? I just thought I'd tell it once so that you understood. Is that, that everybody understand? Okay, so she's, she's back. And, and it's interesting that, that while we went through that, I had to find a song for the season. And friends, God gives you a song for the season. My song for the season, y'all sang this morning, How Great Is Our God. How great is our God? My heart will sing how great, how great is our God. And every day I did a family update for people that were in our family and for our inner circle. And at the bottom of it, I signed, God is greater. That was my signature. God is greater. I give them the update and I say, God is greater. And when she came out of that hospital and came back home, I said, God is greater. And I played that song in her room. I played it in my phone. I played it in my car. Because God can give you a song for the season. Selah means to take a musical pause and think about that. And some of us need a Selah in our lives. Verse 4 says, there is a river, the streams make glad the city of our God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. 
Listen, God is in the midst of the river. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. Listen, the heathens rage and the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. Listen to this. The Lord of hosts is with us. That's a God of armies. The God of Jacob, that's a God of covenant, is our refuge. Selah. Think about that. Come behold the works of the Lord with desolation he has made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease and sometimes wars on the outside because we have war on the inside. And we need to come to a place of peace on the inside. He makes wars to cease until the ends of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder and he burneth the chariots in fire. Verse 10 is the verse I want to end with. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted among the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And Ray, why don't you come? Because I'm going to pray and I'm going to quote verse 10 for a moment. And God, I pray this morning that you'll forgive us for trying to control every aspect of our lives. Jesus, you said that you are Lord of our lives and we confess that you are Lord of our life. But sometimes we try to take control and control everything and forgive us for trying to control every aspect of our lives. Forgive us for not trusting you and playing God ourselves and thinking that we can be in control of everything. Oh, God, would you give us grace to stand empty before you, relying on you and casting our worries and our fears on you, trusting you. God, we come to this place and we ask you for peace. And if you're here this morning. As I go to this first altar call and you would say, Lafayette, my life is in turmoil right now. It's not that you're not a believer and you're not a Christian and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. But if you're here and your life is in turmoil and there's a lot of raging going on. If you're here and you know, man, I'm not at shalom with myself. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. And I'm saying it's enough. I know I'm in overtime, but I need some refreshing. I want you to just very simply get up from your seat meet me at this altar because I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray that the peace of God will come. Just come. Don't be embarrassed wherever you are. That's right. Come on down. Come on down. We're just going to gather around this altar and we're going to pray and I see you coming. I see you coming. And don't wait. Just come on now. If you're coming from the balcony, if you're coming from the back, just meet us here because sometimes as we go through this life, we can get overwhelmed because life can be overwhelming. But I'm telling you what, when our heart is overwhelmed, he leads us to the rock that is higher than I. And you know when you're in your right self and when you're in your most productive and efficient and effective self. But sometimes because of the needs of the people and the needs of the nation and the needs of the city, I'll tell you what, we get to that place where we are overwhelmed in Jesus' name. Anybody that's lacking peace in your mind, peace in your body, peace in your experience. Come, come, come on, come on, come on. 
Come on, for those that are here at this altar, I want you to hear this. We read this uh, Psalm 4610 that said, be still and know that I am God. Here comes a parent with some children. Here comes some more. Good, I see you. Because this is where you get relief. At the altar is where a place where your life is changed. At an altar is a place where your life is altered. Thank you, Lord God. That's right. It's all right if your spouse will come and stand with your spouse and pray with them in Jesus' name. That's great. That's great. This psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. I want you to meditate on that. Church, both in person, at this altar, and the Faith Christian Center online community. Be still and know that I am God. Hear this now and meditate on this. Be still and know I am. I am your Prince of Peace. I am your heart fixer and your mind regulator. I am the calm inside of you. Be still and know I am. Be still and know that. Be still and know that God is. Be still and know that God is real. Be still and know that God is good. Be still and know that God is for you. Here's one. Be still and know that God's not done with you. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know that. Be still and know. Be confident in what you just heard. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know that. Be still and know. No more doubt. Just know. Now listen to this, everybody in person and online. Be still. I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know 
that be still and know be still and finally be Mm-hmm.